All right, guys, thanks for tuning in again to First Time Films. Um, you can check out our entire back catalogue. It is on Spotify, iTunes and all good podcasts and sites, all our previous episodes, uh, including the episode we just did on Get Out, so go and check that out. Uh, you can also check out our sister shows, uh, Full Time Football and First Time Thrones, that have also just launched. Um, today, I am here with actor, writer, director, Ailey Lone. How are you, Ailey? Hello, hi. I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. No, it's, it's our pleasure. Uh, for, most, in question, most important question first, rather, uh, are you a Game of Thrones fan? I am, but do you know the thing is, I've not spent, like, I'm season six or something like that, so I've got ah. a lot of catching up to do. I was quite late to the Game of Thrones party, but... Um, yeah. I love it. It's, yeah, it's great. It's one of those shows that's just perfect for binging, though. There'll be a day where you're free, and it's just like, this is the day I'm going to watch the entire season that I've missed out on. Exactly. <laughs> that's how I started getting into it, because I thought, oh, it's one of those ones that I'm too, I'm too far like behind all of the, the stuff happening. People were talking about it. They were in like, season, the new season or whatever, and I was like, oh, I haven't even started. And then that's yeah. what I, oh, I just had a bit of free time, and I just absolutely binged through it. But I think I'm going to have a bit of a recap before I go back and try and watch it again because there's so much that goes on. Yeah, you forget definitely. what happens. Oh, well, if you want that, you can check out the first episode of First Time Thrones up in well, Spotify. Well, that, that is the best promo <laughs> I've heard, so I will be listening. Yeah. Absolutely. Ailey, tell me, tell me about how your career started off. We'll go back to the very beginning. As Julie Andrews said, it's a very good place for us to start. Uh, how did you know you first <laughs> wanted to get into acting and writing? What's the first film you remember? Uh, that had an impact on you as well? Uh, yeah, so, well, I was always, like, a little chatterbox when I was a kid, and I think my parents got to the point where they were like, well, we need to put her in some sort of drama thing because she just chats for Scotland. <laughs> so I was like, brilliant, fine. And, yeah, that was my love for my love for acting sort of started when um, I, I was young. And uh, I got into musical theatre, um, then went over to Dance School of Scotland and trained there for four years in musical theatre. And it was sort of there that I realised the, the discipline that I really wanted to focus in was acting. I just loved everything about it. I loved um, the idea of going to drama school and studying to be an actor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how it sort of all started. And then realised, yeah, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Writing oh. came a lot later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I got a, a very, like, horrible teacher at school tell me, like, I'm dyslexic. So, yeah. And I found out I was dyslexic, like, lovely bit. 16, 17, so it was really, really late on. Yeah, pretty late on for the diagnosis as well. Absolutely, um, that's it. So I sat all my exams and did everything like that, like being undiagnosed, and then came to, you know, the results and things, and they were like, oh my goodness, yeah, you've, you've, you know, you're dyslexic. And I was like, makes complete sense why letters are moving about a page. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, writing came pretty late on because I had the teacher sort of tell me, you know, like, oh, it's a good job that you just need to, um, learn the lines and, and not write them and I was just like oh what I was like one yeah. it's really hard to learn lines and two it sort of just it knocked my confidence a bit when I was so I loved writing I loved creating things um and then I picked up again when I went to drama school and thought oh do you know what screw it I'm dyslexic oh. it's fine everyone can do what they want and do you know it's actually benefited me a lot um oh, definitely I would, I would ask as well are you one of those people when someone tells you you can't do something that just makes you so much more motivated to go out and try and prove the wrong oh or? yeah absolutely it's such a it's such a power thing as well of when someone says you can't you know it's instead of sitting into that sort of defeat and thinking all right okay well that's not for me I do have that that sort of part of me that just goes right well watch me <laughs> yeah definitely um, which is which is good it's a good it's a good thing to have I suppose so you could just sort of hold two fingers up and go look look what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good motivating factor I love it it's great um, 
And obviously, at one point, you've made the decision to move down to London. That's where you're doing uh, this interview from now. Uh, I am. Where you started out in the, the gold paved streets of Renfrewshire, but you're away down there now. <laughs> uh, so what was the motivation behind that decision? I recently spoke to director Amy Hoff, who cited that the lack of any real Scottish film industry um, is part of the reason that a lot of young actors and filmmakers indeed moved down uh, to London to try and get mm-hmm. in that atmosphere. Was that the motivating factor behind your decision? Um, I mean, it's got a part to play, definitely, I'd say. Uh, I wanted to go to drama school in London. Um, I wanted to get out of Glasgow and I wanted to go and sort of live on my own. I mean, I moved mm-hmm. down here when I was 18. It's quite a young age to move down to. But I moved to Guildford, so it's just a little bit outside London. Mm-hmm. And then for the past year or a year and a bit or whatever, I've been living living in London. Um, yeah, I think I wanted to train as a Scottish actor in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really great. It's done a lot. Um, for me being down here and having that, that little Glaswegian. There's so many Scottish actors and they're amazing and it's great and it's been good to be down here and meet them all. Yeah. Uh, with regards to the lack of Scottish representation like in our industry, I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and it's, it's what made me want to write the play that I'm, I'm writing and I want to turn it into a screenplay. And mm-hmm. I just feel that Scotland isn't really represented in its true form on any sort of platform. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got your amazing, you've got your amazing films and things like that that are generational. But for our generation, watching Scottish things, we're watching things from the past, and I feel like we're not really attacking the the working class theatre and film and the diversity amongst um, like our younger generation. And I think it's sort of our responsibility to have that. And being Scottish as well, mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it makes you want to fight a little bit more for to see people. That, you know and people that the background you're from on tv and film encourages people to to get into it more totally and we're seeing that as well um as well in the writing that's came out recently there seems to be a swing towards this sort of a uh, working class portrayal of scotland but what i'd like to see is like a lot of the films like you say they're from the past it's this sort of romanticized uh, william wallace braveheart version of scotland yeah that isn't absolutely isn't necessarily relevant anymore you know um so it'll be good if we see these um stories of Scotland are sort of inter- intersectional you know yeah uh, absolutely I couldn't agree more I think it's you know it's us that are the young filmmakers and writers and creatives that have that responsibility to tell these stories now like I look at you know people a couple of years below me or you know people that are thinking about what to go to drama school and mm-hmm. what to get into maybe like film directing and things like that and Scotland doesn't do enough to encourage people in the creative arts to go off and seek anything outside their sort of comfort zones and when you see people, you know, just ordinary people like ourselves who have went off and we have we have made the decision to do this with our lives, it encourages young people to go, oh, wait, hold on a minute. Like, they've just done that. And what what's it stopping me from, from going on and trying and achieving that as well? Definitely, definitely. It's about... Um... We see a lot of this, like when someone reaches that peak, it's about trying to raise other people up from a similar background, and that's where you'll get that representation coming from. Uh, oh yeah, uh, and it's people each other up, you know. Of course, and I think it's just amazing to see like our generation, this young group of people, supporting each other through that. I mean, it's great when it comes to obviously the working class and us being Scottish and things, but mm-hmm. that's across the board in terms of diversity. When we look at wanting more earth, when we want to put more ethnic actors um, mm-hmm. on platforms that they've never been able to have access to before, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, definitely. You know, and we look at us with Jordan Peele. A lot of, he made some comments recently. Some people took as controversial, but I think it's, yeah. he's basically saying the same thing that we're saying here. Of the, the reason he casts are exclusively black actors in his lead roles is because we haven't seen those sort of stories before. You know what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And I think, I think we want to get to the point when those conversations shouldn't necessarily be having to be had because mm-hmm. it will just be, you know, 
that he he I agree with him. I think Jordan Peele's amazing. I think the films that he's made are great. Like, and I completely mm-hmm. agree with what he is what he is doing. And I think the backlash that he's faced from, and again, I could be wrong, but it's predominantly the white actors. Is mm-hmm. you know you don't understand you know what it is to be you know an ethnic actor and not have yourself represented on that on that screen or or on that platform for someone that is um, a person of color they are they're sitting in a cinema on a big screen or in a theater or on you know watching like a BBC drama and they're seeing someone that's them and it's someone that they recognize and it's amazing and I think it's about time that that shift has been made in terms of you know not just um, ethnicity but in terms of sexuality and disability as well totally. I think it's just so important and that comes down to the class system as well I mean it's great to watch you know young working class people be able to achieve things that before they couldn't so it's great exactly. it's really good it's about open up all the doors mm. that need to be opened like we touched on it there like the young age that you did move down to London at 18 like fresh out of school like very intimidating time what advice would you give any sort of young actors, filmmakers or creatives making the decision to move down to London, what sort of words of wisdom would you have for them? Save that move? money. <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive in London. It's so ridiculously expensive. Um, no, I probably, that is actually probably a good point. But um, mm-hmm. just to be like, I think London's such a big place. Uh, it's an amazing place. It's full of uh, creativity. Everywhere you go, there's something new to see. And it's amazing. But I find coming from somewhere like Renfrew, where it's all about community I've struggled being in London and feeling like it's it's a very selfish city everyone is sort of you know on their own route and doesn't have time for anyone and because it's so big and you just feel like you're part of this wave of people sometimes it's just you need to be true to yourself and remember where you come from um Mm -hmm. because you can get so caught up in this this London lifestyle where everything's so busy and it is pretty selfish but you need to just be true to where you come from and remember that you know you've started at a place where you could walk yeah. down the street and say hi to your neighbour and just not to lose that because it's so lovely when you find someone smiling at you on the tube and doesn't think you're absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Like, that has its bad points as well. I walked into Morrison's an absolute disgrace the other day and met like six people. Oh, I was that's like, I don't it, want, isn't it? <laughs> I don't want anyone to see I know, me today. Like, I'll come home and like, I was home like last week and you go in the pub and you're like, Ailey! And I'm like, oh God. I'm like, hi. <laughs> How you doing? It's like, it's like nothing's changed. Like, it's, it's right. still what I love about coming home. It's like, nothing's changed and it's just everything's still you know you walk in and you've got the same little old man sitting at the same bar with the same yeah. outfit on you're talking about exactly. yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> so to move on a wee bit you're a member of the actor center all right so if you could tell me a bit more about the organization what its aims are what its ethos is um, and why do you feel it's an important uh, to have an organization like this uh, yeah so the actor center um is fantastic the reason i got involved with the actor center is from um winning alan bates award last year which was mm-hmm. amazing. And the award has done so much for me in my first year out of drama school and um, given me a right good head start in my career. Yeah. What I love about what they do is you never stop learning in general in life. Uh, and as an actor, it's really crucial that you hone your skills when you have left drama school because there'll be times when you're not employed, a lot of times when you're not employed. <laughs> and if you need to keep those skills up and you need to sort of, you know, keep those muscles working, it's like, you know, a runner or, you know, someone that's, like, athletic will go to training. Um, mm-hmm. You know, footballers have training, that kind of thing. It's the same as an actor. You need to continue your training because if you, you know, there's so many aspects to what we do as actors, like accents and vocal work and movement classes and, um, you know, technique training, different practitioners. Mm-hmm. And if you lose sort of sight of that um, and you don't continue that training, 
you know, I mean, some people go on and they don't, you know, continue training and they just go out into the industry and they work and it's brilliant. But it's really, really yeah. great to just touch base with things that you maybe didn't get at drama school or um, things that you want to really sort of focus on more. And the Actors Centre are brilliant for that. They're also really good at um, promoting young up-and-coming writers. So they started an initiative last year um, called the John Thaw um, season, which is their studio space is set out for young writers to come in and pitch their project and have the space for two nights and they get to put on, you know, their shows and things like that. And Fantastic. from last year, there's been, you know, I can't remember how many shows there was last year, um, but every single one of the shows has went on to either have a full run at their theatre in Tristan Bates or they have went on to go elsewhere and without that platform that I was given, I wouldn't be in the position with Matalie Moorcroft that I am now. So it's really, really great that they do that. And they just, it's just a really, like what we're trying to do right now is have this hub, this this social hub where people can come. And, you know, it's a really lonely time if you're not in a job or you feel like you're auditioning all the time and you're not maybe getting the roles. It's nice to come into a building and see other actors and just work together because it still feels like you're achieving something. Totally. And it's that sense of community. You're saying this kind of loss yeah, sometimes yeah. in London as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so. And it's great, like, when you have your community as actors I think that's so crucial and this is why I'm here you know I'm, I'm not in London just to live my life like yeah. I'm in London to be an actor and when I'm not acting I think it's so important to have that community of actors around you so that's exactly what the Actors Centre aim to do is to create this hub of people and these creative people that you can you can get in touch with. Fantastic. Well, you touched on it there. Uh, congratulations, you were the, the winner in 2018 of the Alan Bates Award. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you, touched, you touched slightly on like how that has affected your career and how important it was. Take me through the process. Like, What was the process you had to go through to eventually become the recipient of that award? Yeah. Um, and what did it mean to you at the time? Do you remember your Oh, emotions? wow. It was mad. It was a mad, mad day. Like, you, Well, it was me and my best friend, Jack. Um, we trained mm-hmm. together at drama school, and he's just a one of the most talented and genuine people I've met. So we got to the final together and we were yeah. just laughing. We just thought, how hilarious is this? Like we've got to the we've got the final <laughs> six, both of us together. And the six people that were in that final, I'm still very, very good friends with. It was just an amazing time to meet other graduating actors that ultimately are going to become your colleagues when we go out and work in this industry. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jack took, Jack and another amazing actor called Alex took the runners up and then, um, yeah, I took the I took the the first place and just couldn't really believe it. I just was a bit baffled because yeah, you know, you just you're sitting watching these incredible actors around you and thinking, how can you know how can I be here? This is amazing just to have this privilege and it meant a lot as well to have my dad came down as well and just sort of watched me watched me to pick up the the award, which was really special because yeah. you know my mum and dad have worked so so hard to get me where I am because I don't come from a place of privilege as you know like you know Mm -hmm. we come from a little town where um you know it's I find it very hard to sort of get out and reach those those outer boundaries because you we've had that wall put up for us as you know working class little Scottish people be like no you can't do it so my mum and dad pushed through that and they got me sort of where I am um which is amazing but the yeah the process for Alan Bates is anyone can apply which is incredible drama school um I was very lucky at drama school to be put up for Carlton Hobbs which is the um radio competition for BBC and mm-hmm. you know that was amazing and people get chosen to do certain things you know like Sam Wanamaker Festival at the Globe um, my friend Chesco was chosen to do the Spotlight Prize he also went on to win that which was incredible the school did really really well but for people that you know aren't necessarily 
maybe put up for things like that at drama school alan bates anyone can apply so you don't need to be put up through your drama school you can be self-submitted and it's just you do a self-tape which is obviously something that's becoming increasingly popular amongst casting and um uh, producers and directors and things yeah. like that casting agents um as your first round of your audition from there you go on to do a series of workshops in the second round and the third round and then you get to the well we got to the semi-final we got to the final which was amazing fantastic well congratulations once again for thank that thank you very and, much like, thank you that moment for your dad getting down there like he must have been immensely proud of you uh, oh it's amazing i think like the thing with my parents as well is like you know they, they're the most supportive people in the world i mean it's been a, it's been a lot it's been hard it's been hours of conversations and tears of how financially can we support our child to go and do what she wants to do because we can't give mm-hmm. her that support and they have they have struggled through everything and for him yeah. to sort of sit there and me be awarded some for something that's you know my hard work and it's for them and everything mm-hmm. that you want to do for your parents is obviously go like mum mum and dad did it yeah. <laughs> exactly that's fantastic well Ailey switching gears just a wee bit yeah, um, sure. you recently participated in the Industry Minds live panel uh, you were talking about mental health within creative industries um, it was just to ask you this it's tough questions do you feel enough has been done uh, within creative industries to tackle mental health and do you feel there's like any common practices um, obviously you've had times you've spent on set do you feel there's like practices on set that are actually maybe harboring men- uh, mental health health issues among people who are creatives in the film and tv industry um yeah i definitely think that more needs to be done we're not even halfway to the to the um end product of what we can be doing for the support in the industry for mental health what industry Mm -hmm. minds do incredibly well is it was set up by scarlett and kathy who are two incredible incredible women and they've seen how you know people struggle in the industry to to talk about how they're feeling and things like that um you're judged a lot as an actor and as a mm-hmm. even as a director and a creative anything that's you know your own invention you're judged for and if you don't have that sort of you know um confidence in your ability it can be really it can be really knocking mm-hmm. and that's what Kathy and Scarlett have have set out to do is discuss it and you know, let people know that they aren't alone when they're going through a bit of a, a tough time. Um, yeah, yeah, the reason I got involved was because of Moorcroft. Like, I've sat with the boys that the play is about and they're 50 years old and it angered me how they went through their whole lives not being able to talk about how they're feeling and it builds up anxiety, it builds up depression, it builds up, you know paranoia all this all all everything you can think of to do with mental health um and I was just really passionate about going on to the podcast and being able to talk about that because you know it's a really really low especially I think especially so the area that sort of I was talking about the thing was um, male mental health and it matters a lot to me because of you know where I'm from and um seeing young boys have all this anger and all this aggression because they fail to express themselves um yeah. And it's amazing. I feel like I'm so privileged to be at drama school and watch, you know, young men from, you know, everywhere, you know, being able to open themselves up as actors. And it's brilliant and it's great. And I think, well, if, if you know, we can do that in a, in a sort of creative setting, why can't we, you know, work that into being, to being just every, day, every, every person's job? Totally, totally. And I think as well, you touched on it, it's an industry where, like, failure is a, an intrinsic part of being a creative, like, in terms of, 
you're always going to experience setbacks. You're always going to experience rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something. Some sometimes we're not geared like to accept as people, or as geared into society's thinking of. Oh, what absolutely, be and it hurts. That's the thing. Like, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, people people can be a little bit false when it comes to that and say, you know, oh no, I'm fine when I get rejected from things. And it's like you are fine, absolutely, but it's still a hurtful thing when you're, you know. You want that totally. job. Everybody, everything that you go for, you want that job as an actor, as a director, the, the writer. You want your play to be seen. You want the job to direct a new film or whatever. Everyone wants mm. it. When you don't get it, a part of you goes, I am absolutely gutted about that. And totally. it's fine. It's great. And I think it's good to have those moments and have those rejections because all it does is next time is make it 10 times easier to go, okay, that's a bit poor and I didn't get it, but moving on. Bigger and better things. Totally. And- it just going off of that, like, what do you think of uh, the way mental health has been portrayed on screen? Um, and well, recent years and going back historically, um, and do you think that we should be aiming for a more realistic portrayal of mental health, or do you think, as especially yourself as a writer, should there be some artistic license? Yeah, that's um, I think mental health itself is a pretty dramatic thing, and I don't mm-hmm. think that we need to make it any more you know dramatic or sort of fabricate Mm. it for what it actually is um i think in a creative way the creativity the creativity comes from what the story is about and how you know what the character is going through and things like that and it's sort of your choice either as an actor if you're playing someone with a mental health issue is to do as much research as you can to make it as truthful as you can so you're not just portraying this idea of what it is to be riddled with anxiety or you know Mm -hmm. playing someone that's you know very very severely depressed and it's just having these stereotypes that we've you know when people say all the time like I'm so depressed and things like that and it's like what you're actually saying isn't you know you're not it's just such a yeah. pass-off comment. I think people use these things like, oh, I've got anxiety. And it's like, yeah, but think about what that actually is when it comes down to someone that is actually, you know, going to counselling for anxiety and things like that. Totally. Um, I, think, I think that comes from education oh, as well. Yeah. Um, but need have more sort of education in these mental health issues in our schools. Because um, I remember, I, I don't know what your experience was like at high school. I'd heard of people having anxiety at high school. I do not remember having a class of oh, no. actual anxiety entailed not at all like I think like when I went over to to the dance school it was amazing the dance school is a creative place so the support for mental health was was there there was people you could go and speak to and the teachers were really caring and things like that um you had your Mm -hmm. certain staff members that people gravitated towards more that you could go and talk about as a wonderful wonderful teacher um he's a really good friend of mine now called Gordon Brown fantastic actor and you know I just Mm -hmm. I felt so comfortable being able to go to talk to Gordon about anything I can't really say that for my normal school, my regular academic side, I would never ever go mm-hmm. to a teacher and say, I'm really struggling right now with my anxiety or, you know, I, I get yeah. really bad tight chests and I feel like I can't breathe and everything's sort of getting up. You couldn't do that. You just The teacher would just be like, oh, right, okay. Well, and I think it's, it's, it's a teacher yeah. thing. Teachers need to be trained on how to do it. When we sit in classes, we get sex ed classes, you know, and that's all about your sexual health. It's amazing. It's great. And it's, well, it depends on, you know, what kind of school you go to. Um, yeah. But that's that needs to be the case. You need to sit down and have mental health classes. If you if you can walk down the corridor and notice someone that's, you know, not all right today and you've sat in a mental health class and gone, Okay, this is the signs of how to spot anxiety, depression, suicide, um, you know, even when it comes down to um like eating disorders, they all stem from your mental state and things like that. Mm-hmm. You can spot it much sooner and we would have this happier community of people all supporting each other. And so, I mean, high school is a difficult time enough as it is without having to go through it with all these mental health issues. Definitely. And I think, like, I do want to say, like, obviously teaching is a wonderful profession, and but you're right, the teachers do need to be 
sort of trained to deal with those things. I do remember, like, there was one teacher I had in high school, Kat Dugan, uh, was absolutely fantastic. And she did have that uh, atmosphere where you could could go and talk to her about anything. Um, And just to give her a shout out, I hear she's got a wonderful play uh, playing in Glasgow right now. So if you want to go and check that out, that'd be absolutely fantastic. fantastic. Uh, And I would say, um, to switch gears again, Ailey, all right? You played Lady Jean Grey, a historical figure in England's Forgotten Queen. All right. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that experience and how challenging was that role for you? There's a lot of different elements about that production that might, for me personally, might seem a bit challenging for an actor. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was my first time on, on set, so I got the job at my third year of drama school. Um, I was put forward by one of my film teachers, uh, Jane McGee, and her husband um, was working on the... He was the DOP for the for the shoot, and it was yeah. it was amazing because everyone that was involved in that project were all really good friends. So you know, uh, Sasha was really good friends with Bill, the director, and from there I've kept in good contact with them all, um, which is what's so amazing when you get together with a group of mates and you create work is fantastic, and that's what I feel like I made. Um, even from the makeup artist Fiona, she was amazing, and. Uh, it was an, an amazing first job uh, to have yeah. and to have that upon graduation as well like even bef- you know before even we kicked off third year of drama school was just it set me right and it set me in you know a, a really good a really good start point yeah. uh, challenges historical figures are difficult because you can only ever go by what is being written about them and being said about them it's not like you can play mm-hmm. someone that's you know modern and or, or sorry should I say still alive and you can go and talk to them yeah. and say well how did you deal with this and how did you cope you have the freedom to sort of create your own version of this person I mean um yeah Lady Jane Grey's been done a few times um yeah it was just it was great to sort of just have that freedom and you know research I love researching for projects I absolutely love it and but it's, yeah that's probably the challenging thing is creating your own version that's you know believable and true to to what you think that she stood for and what you think happened to her and it was really great and I think it's it is good that we we know we his, we, we create these characters from history because it makes it a much mm-hmm. more um much more fun way of 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 uh, go back in history instead of you know sitting in the history books and not having yeah it's been, I mean it's like history is amazing I just remember do you remember Mr Jones um, I don't know no. I was at Trinity oh, remember Trinity. yeah you I was were at Trinity Park of course I was like yeah, yeah I was like oh, no you were Trinity and we had Mr Jones at Park Mains and he was the yeah. best teacher about like in terms of history and he was like you know he used to be an actor himself and the way he used to act <laughs> out the battles and things like that and he used That's to come fantastic. in and he used to separate the chairs and be like right, okay you're Scotland and you're England and things like that makes history fun and it's you know he was an actor himself making these these you know decisions to make his class totally. be characters I thought it's great it's great to have that and for to do it on screen was class absolutely loved it it was a great job I do remember I had a history teacher at Trinity as well Mr Floods and he was like the driest man in the planet yeah. right <laughs> but one day he just suddenly decided to sing this uh, old German song in front Love of the it. class it was the most jarring experience of my life it was absolutely fantastic oh it's watching like the that, rainbow check out yeah, yeah you know, that's, that's things like that you remember from school and you know when, pe- when people get really involved in the lessons and they act them out and things like that you make you come away and you go oh that teacher was so funny because they put so yeah. much into the, the students definitely well Ailey going off on of what you just said uh, you said the, talked about the challenges uh, and the benefits of playing sort of a historical figure if there is any person from throughout history all right who oh. would you want to play and why oh um I would really I know it's already been done, the film's already came out, but I would yeah. love to play Mary Queen of Scots. Yes. I think mm-hmm. 
the history behind Mary and Elizabeth is so interesting. Yeah, and I think, but, you know, the film, it was done and it was done brilliantly and done amazingly, but still it was a part that I sat there and went, oh, I want that. I would love to have done that part. Definitely. And I think there's there's an element of Mary, I'm not sure how well it was explored in Mary, Queen of Scots. I thought Saoirse Ronan was fantastic and the yeah, overall is yeah, very good. She's just um, a brilliant actress though, isn't she? Like, oh, she she's is, yeah. just absolutely, and so is Margot Robbie, I think, you know, oh, everything totally. I've seen them both do, they've been absolutely stellar and I just think amazing, really, really what, what I like about Mary's story is when you boil it down, it's a story of a woman trying to explore her sexual freedom yeah. in a world that doesn't allow her to do so. Absolutely, you know what I mean? and it's very true to topics that we have today. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just brilliant to see two women portrayed on screen like that, which I don't really think mm-hmm. I've seen a lot yeah, of before, that it, gritty rawness that they had. Definitely, um, and it's like two women in power, but you've also got the dynamic of there are two women in power who are going up against power structures behind them yeah, that absolutely. are always trying to sort of undermine them. And I think that's, what's, that's what you say is interesting about that time period back in the day, um, is just how sort of, intrinsically sexist it was what you mm-hmm. have these queens in charge but the system around them isn't allowing them to act in whatever way they see fit that's and it. I think that's, what, yeah, that's what's interesting about the story it's the same as Lady Jane Grey I mean like the, the the reason that she came to her death really was because of all these men around her and just completely using this you know this young girl I mean she was a queen she yeah. was a queen and people still refer to her as she was a late, you know, Lady Jane Grey. I mean, I'm not too sure what the title actually means, but like she was yeah. the queen and having that title saying, you know, it's a big, big, big title to have. And she's still referred to as, you know, she wasn't that because she was only on the throne for nine days. Yeah. And you thought it's just, it's amazing to see how ridiculous the situations were because of the men around her. And she was literally just this little puppet. And that's a lot of history. When you look at women in history, that's a lot mm. of what these powerful figures have been. It's just puppets and you know you've just been put to be made the you know the sort of poster girl of of history yeah, <laughs> there's absolutely no involvement in political arguments or you know rules and regulations mm-hmm. that were created i did think they did the the, the favorite if you've seen that had a really good twist to that it was like queen anne probably could have had the influence well, but that's just didn't it, really, didn't didn't, ha- really, yeah. didn't, really didn't want to and that's <laughs> another like... actress i think <laughs> olivia coleman is one of oh she is just phenomenal it's, it's a phenomenal movie like all three of them in that film like what a, what a sensational cast it's like they just it. make this it's amazing um, to see these women these these incredible uh, actors that are just you know so empowering um definitely and rachel vice especially in that movie there's something about her that just screams like absolute power like yeah, even when yeah. she's at her lowest point like <laughs> i don't know that I, I love i could talk about rachel vice all day but um i want to get back into <laughs> your, your writing really um you've talked about the sort of stories you want to tell what the two questions i want to ask you about your writing as well is there a specific genre you'd be interested in sort of dealing with or try to wrestle with or try and put a sort of Scottish working class slant on Um, and also what is your practical writing process like what do you do when you get a story in your head and how do you start putting that from your head onto the page oh um I would love to write a like a sort of crime drama Mm but set in like a, a period sort of setting um, oh. when, you know, you, we don't have all the forensic things and all this and it's something and it could be, I don't necessarily if it'd be in Scotland, but I don't know, something something to do with like... Um, old like school an old, noir. Yeah, like an old, like, old, 
old time like Sherlock Holmes. Like I love the Benedict Cumberbatch one. Um, yeah, I think it's amazing. But even like something you know that's not been done with Sherlock before or something like that. Like really something like quite medieval or something. I don't know, but like sort of periody like time. Um, Almost Jack the Ripper, maybe a yeah, bit further back. Yeah, I think yeah. something like that. I've absolutely loved. I love I love crime dramas. I absolutely love them. I love writing them. I think they're they're really good fun. Um, in terms of Scotland, oh my goodness, there's so much I could write. First screen for Scotland. Um, I'd love to write a film about um, like the, the school systems in general. Um, yeah. The sort of thing that you know the private and the, the sort of public schools have in Scotland I think that's such an interesting thing um totally because it's something I'm so alien to I, I went to school across the road from a pot like I, 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 what, I don't, I don't say posh school that's not right but like a, yeah uh upper class sort of you know you mm-hmm. paid to go to school and I thought that was really interesting how you had the two worlds sort of only on the opposite sides of the road to each other totally um, and I think like just to keep on that for a second it's that's something that hasn't really been a lot of people seem to shy away from that argument um, about the public versus private schools yeah, and how it absolutely. creates a, a, a disparity in society. You yeah, know? especially um, in Scotland. Yeah, and I'll go for like my political views. Like, comes down to the one fact: it should be equality of opportunity among young people. Completely, um, agree, and yeah. that's what I think we should be working towards. So, I'd love, I'd love to see a movie that tries to tackle <laughs> that argument. Yeah, that'd be absolutely fantastic. I'd be yeah. first in line for well, that. There one, we go. Really. We can work on it together. <laughs> yeah, you've heard it here. It's been said. <laughs> Awesome. So what is like your practical writing process then? Like how do you sit down and start writing a screenplay? Um, I think I get really random. Like there'll be times when I wake up in the middle of the night and how it's very and it feels very like, you know, movie, like sort of cinematic. Oh, wake up in the middle of the night and it'll happen. But I don't know, I just I get I'll get the most random ideas from the most random places and then just run with it and see what I can write and like I I know a lot of writers will timeline things and you know say, okay, this happens at the beginning, the middle, end, and things like that, or, or mm-hmm. they'll set time to sit down and write. Um, I just start, I just start with you know a character name, and then off we go and yeah. see sort of what happens, and then go back, and then you've got a million redrafts because you've thought of other things. Uh, I just carry a notepad about with me all the time and just totally. jot down ideas. Like it's amazing being in London because you know the people that you see and the, the stories that are around you. You know, there's just inspiration everywhere for characters and people like that. Um, oh, definitely, yeah. Like yeah. I remember, I've only been to London once, and it was to see Hamilton actually. Um, oh <laughs> yeah, oh, I've not seen it. I've not. But, oh my goodness, it's it's been it's been going mad down here. Everyone that's seen it said that's crazy. It's amazing. It is so good, but like it's like you say, it's like going around, and it's just like there seems to be a new character around every corner. It's like absolutely mental. It's just a fun place. It's such a fun place to be. You know, despite the fact that I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it is quite difficult to live here. It is just fun. It's a really. It's, it's so. There's just stories everywhere. I mean, you, you can't walk down you know like Oxford Street or you know somewhere like that and you're just thinking all these mad people run about the shops you could sit and watch it for hours like uh, yeah definitely but yeah no that's sort of how the writing process goes like again because I've shied away from writing for such a long time um Mm -hmm. and just thought it's something that I I won't be able to do uh well that's how I sort of got into it again was when I was at drama school I was really encouraged to create my own work because a lot Definitely. of things are happening when you look at Phoebe Waller-Bridge, you know, she's, she's yeah. she went from writing Fleabag to, you know, starring in it and having it as the theatre piece and then on to the TV piece and just had season two. And I think she created that herself. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just really inspiring to see work like that being, being listened to. So we set up a film company at drama school and wanted to encourage, because we are actors. Um, I know some people that's all they, and I respect that. Some people that's all they do and want to do is, you know, they just want to be the actor. I think yeah. it's really amazing for 
other jobs to filter in so we were we set up the film company to give actors that were interested in writing an opportunity to write scripts directors that actors that wanted to you know dabble in the directing side to to give themselves a go at that on on a, a low budget you know things that didn't matter things went wrong and the film didn't work out or things like that it was just a bit of experience and it's also just really important to know everyone's job when you're on a film set totally um, it's just and you I do think that the people who maybe think that writing's not for them are probably the most important voices that we do need to be hearing. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. One of my to... best friends is um, well, what I've spoken about with Alan Bates, or Jack. Mm-hmm. He said for such a long time, he's like, no, no, I won't write, I won't write. And he's just had a sellout run at the Tristan Bates of his play, Me and My Left Ball, which deals with Amazing. a young boy having cancer. And, you know, Jack went through that at drama school and it's based, you know, loosely on his life. And yeah. for, for that was what, you know, mattered to me so much was the fact, you know, him being up there telling his story and, you know, something that this character was based on him was incredible. But what made it for me was the fact that he, you know, achieved something that he never thought that he would do was be a writer and it's just it's incredible to see see people develop like that so and he's he's amazing <laughs> he's amazing so yeah that's fantastic well Ailey um what projects have you currently got on the go you're a very very busy obviously you're acting you're <laughs> writing your directing you're doing it all uh, so what have you got on the go right now so Moorcroft's um my focus at the moment um the plays the plays a lot the play matters to me a lot and I just want to make sure I do it right I don't want to rush any sort of decisions so I've you know got a lovely team behind that hopefully um people will be able to know about soon um and hopefully people get to see the play the the reason I'm so keen and passionate about having it on and Mm. and putting all my time and my heart and soul into it just now is you know the pieces for my dad and all of his friends and as we've talked about, when we we come from Renfrew, and I just feel this responsibility to tell Renfrew's story and to tell these men's side of, you know, what yeah. it's like to be working class and in a time where there was no creative freedom, there was no freedom to be who you wanted to be. And I still think, and sadly, amongst working class communities, that's still the case. Um, yeah. There's so many parts of the world that, when we come to London and you can be whoever you want, you can walk about the streets and whatever you want, dressed it, whatever you want, and you come home and you sort of feel that you have to bottle all that back in together because there's a certain judgment there. And it also just is to get working class people into theatre. Um, yeah. I think when you look at things like when people think about theatre, I ask my dad and I ask his friends, you know, if you go to theatre, a lot of people's answer is, I, I won't go to the theatre, it's not It's not for me, it's not a place mm-hmm. that I feel welcome. And that's because of this sort of, um, this, this sort of stereotype about it being for, you know, that we're going to the theatre and all this sort of thing. Yeah. It's, like, it's just not what it is. There's, there's Get no, the monocle out. That, yeah. that, that's <laughs> it, exactly. You know, dressing up in a suit and a tie and sitting in a fancy dress. And it's amazing and that is what happens and it's great. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think we just, I just have, I feel this responsibility to tell people stories that, you know, haven't been told before and that they don't feel represented so that they can go into a theatre and sit quite easily and feel welcome. And then, you know, the, the Moorcroft gets turned into the screenplay or the six-part drama and people watch yeah. it, you know, from everywhere and they go, oh my goodness, and then it comes back as the play and they go, oh, well, we've seen it as a film, we'll go to the theatre now and see it. And it just works. Oh, totally. It works totally. two ways. Um, so and, that's, and that's that's the influence that writing something or making something like that can have. It's like we don't appreciate sometimes how much the art around us influences our everyday society. Absolutely. It's everywhere, everywhere you go. And I think, you know, the more we we have that responsibility as creative people that work in the industry to Mm -hmm. open up 
everyone's eyes to the fact that they are just as important as the you know the audience members the most important part that's why we create everything we do is to have other people watch and judge and feel you know passion and heartbreak and anger and you know it opens their their eyes to something that that's just I think it's a medium TV and films a medium um that's just developed so much and the stories yeah. that we're telling are we're getting more risky with the stuff that we're doing which is great and I think yeah. theatre needs to become the same really yeah just to, just on that point actually um there has been a debate that I've been paying close attention to and it's over the sort of Netflix film and whether it should be considered um, on the same same level um, as theatrical releases. Uh, I don't mean to point elbows, but Steven Spielberg has uh, been saying a lot about it. Okay, um, yeah. What is your thoughts on that? Because I think with the age of streaming services, we're actually getting content from voices that we wouldn't have actually heard before. And for me personally, it's a very, very good thing. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, you know, everything that we do, we are that, that generation of technology, aren't we? So everything we do is, you know, we've got access to laptops and iPads and phones. And, you know, it's not as, it's not, we don't have to be as expensive about going to a cinema and paying so much for a ticket. I mean, if you're a cinema, you know, a film lover and you're, film buff and stuff like that we are Mm -hmm. we'll go and we'll pay that money because it's just it's the same with theatre it's the same price for theatre ticket but it's I think I I don't know I think that's a one I'd need to think about but my initial reaction to it is we're online anyway and the con it shouldn't matter what platform it's it's Mm -hmm. on I get you know the films that Netflix are producing as their as their own their own films, like a net, an actual Netflix film, are incredible. Yeah. The series that have been made out of Netflix is incredible. For an actor, if you get offered a Netflix series or an edition for something on Netflix, or yeah. you know, anything, it's inc- like we've just we just did a series for Acorn TV in America, um, mm-hmm. which has just been bought over by the BBC. So it's like if that hadn't started, you know, when it did on a streaming service in the states, you know, who knows? Like maybe the B- I don't I don't know. Like it's amazing that the BBC have now taken it and that Definitely. started on a streaming service. Um, there's so much, so much stuff that's on on live, like, not live telly, but um, it's on, on TV that series and things like that that then is put online. Like no one has that urgency anymore to think, oh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I need to get home to watch that program, or I need to make sure I see that film in the cinema because you know, nine times out of ten it's going to be put online anyway. And the film, yeah. oh, I'll get the film on Netflix when it comes out on Netflix, and people yeah. just, I think. So I don't know. I think it. I think we need yeah. to sort of encourage. Encourage yeah. both both sides. It's such a nice thing. It's such a nice thing to go to a cinema and sit and watch something on the big screen. Oh, at the totally, same time, yeah. it's lovely to sit and binge watch Netflix films. Um, yeah, I mean, I go to the cinema far too much. Like sometimes myself, so I look like an absolute saddle in there. Like I do oh, love the, the cinematic experience. But... I love going places myself. Like especially so when you're in London, I love. Yeah. I, like there's nothing like sitting in a theatre or a cinema or you know going watching like music on your own because you've got no friend there to influence your opinion. You're just completely on your own, and it's just oh, totally. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm, gonna, do... I'm definitely going to have to have a think and uh, look at the look at the arguments that we made. That's such an interesting point. Listen, Something I've like, not actually considered. So you're absolutely fantastic talent, and I'm completely behind everything that you stand for and everything you want to do. Oh, with your likewise, I'm so like grateful that. and just so so happy that we eventually got to do this together. Yeah, I definitely, definitely. I just find it so amazing what you're doing, and it's just great to to be asking people to come in and, and speak. And it's just lovely to get your voice heard. So thanks so much for well, having me. Ailey, well, we have a tradition on the when we do the interviews on this show, we ask a final three questions. All right, go for it. Quick fire answers: favorite actor, favorite director, and favorite film 
Go for it. Oh, L- uh, uh, favourite actor uh, has to be, um, I'm going to say, uh, Robin Williams. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. He's just incredible. Um, yeah. I do tutor it in right now for uh, English and to teach the Scottish text section I thought I was actually showing people some of the, the monologue from Goodwill Hunting that he does oh, in the park he's it's actually incredible phenomenal. he's incredible yeah. like um, that's one of my like when I remember watching Jack for the first time and just yeah. sobbing my eyes I just think he, he's he's such a talent and again that just brings it back to our mental health like you've mm-hmm. got someone who's the funniest man on earth and just makes brings a smile to everyone's faces and yeah. you know was suffering with his own depression and mental health and I think you know it's just it's crucial to see but beyond what people put out in the public so um yeah, yeah Ron Williams I'd go for oh favorite director um oh god that's hard there's so many there's so many people that you'd go I would kill to work with. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say Ken Loach oh uh, that's yeah. a fantastic one yeah. <laughs> amazing um, very in keeping with the discussion we've been having today absolutely <laughs> well you know and even Jim Loach as well the stuff that yeah. you know Jim Loach is it's just like, I think they're amazing and what what a pair <laughs> I mean, you must be so proud of each other but um yeah the, the Loach fam they're they're up there <laughs> definitely shout out to the Loaches and favorite the, film favorite film oh um, I'm gonna have to say I'm gonna have to it's, it's got to be a Rob Williams. It must must be Jack or yeah. the Bicentennial Man, or, or maybe Goodwill Hunting. Maybe yeah, um, I th- yeah just anything with Robin Williams, and I'm sold. <laughs> He's got so many. It's like Ailey. Once again, thank you very much for talking to us today. It's been absolutely fantastic. Oh no, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Listen, guys, this uh, you can find this obviously Spotify, iTunes, and all other good podcasting sites. Check out the rest of our back catalogue and follow Ailey alone on Twitter as well. Uh, just Ooh. at it. At yeah. Ellie Lone, That's you know, the one. Uh, to find out what she's going to be doing, what she's up to, and what other projects she's got. So for today, for today, guys, see you later on. Thanks.